Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, June 1st. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse. Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this. Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bred Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Naso, and it means elevate. Numbers 6, 16-27 The priests will present these offerings before the Lord. First, the sin offering and the burnt offering. Then the ram for a peace offering, along with the basket of bread made without yeast. The priest must also present the prescribed grain offering and liquid offering to the Lord. Then the Nazarites will shave their heads at the entrance of the tabernacle. They will take the hair that had been dedicated and place it on the fire beneath the peace offering sacrifice. After the Nazarite's head has been shaved, the priest will take for each of them the boiled shoulder of the ram, and he will take from the basket a cake and a wafer made without yeast. He will put them all into the Nazarite's hands. Then the priest will lift them up as a special offering before the Lord. These are holy portions for the priest, along with the breast of the special offering and the thigh of the sacred offering that are lifted up before the Lord. After this ceremony, the Nazarites may again drink wine. This is the ritual law of the Nazarites, who vowed to bring these offerings to the Lord. They may also bring additional offerings if they can afford it. 
and they must be careful to do whatever they vowed when they set themselves apart as Nazarites. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. 2 Samuel 18, 1-19-10 David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zariah, and one under Ittai, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I am going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth ten thousand of us, and it is better that you stay here in town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and twenty thousand men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Joab. We all heard the king say to you, and Abishai and Ittai, For my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king would certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled, still alive, in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor-bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it and all Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's Monument to this day. 
Then Zadok's son, Ahimaaz, said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joab told him, it wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab, Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son? There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Joab finally said, All right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahanaim ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted down, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, the watchman said. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, Everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise to the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my lord the king. What about young Absalom? the king demanded. Is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, When Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening. Wait here, the king told him. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my lord the king. Today the Lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you. What about young Absalom? the king demanded. Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, O my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. O Absalom, my son, my son. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. As all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of that day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept crying, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, We saved your life today, and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines, yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you, and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat at the town gate, and as the news spread throughout the town that he was there, everyone went to him. 
Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom fled to their homes, and throughout all the tribes of Israel there was much discussion and argument going on. The people were saying, The king rescued us from our enemies and saved us from the Philistines, but Absalom chased him out of the country. Now Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. Why not ask David to come back and be our king again? John 20, 1-31 Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Yeshua's head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Yeshua must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Yeshua had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Yeshua, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Yeshua asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Yeshua said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Yeshua said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord, and then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Yeshua was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Yeshua came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. 
Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Yeshua was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Yeshua told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Yeshua do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in his book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. Psalm 119, 153-176 Resh, look upon my suffering and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your instructions. Argue my case, take my side, protect my life as you promised. The wicked are far from rescue, for they do not bother with your decrees. Lord, how great is your mercy! Let me be revived by following your regulations. Many persecute and trouble me, yet I have not swerved from your laws. Seeing these traitors makes me sick at heart, because they care nothing for your word. See how I love you and your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your words is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. Shin Powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your commands. I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commandments and laws because you know everything I do. Tav, O Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer, rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. O Lord, I have longed for your rescue, and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you, and may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commands. Proverbs 16, 14 and 15 The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from 2 Samuel 18 and 19, and I want to zoom in on a verse and then unpack that for you. 
So let me set the context for you. Um, Absalom has been killed in battle. He got caught, his hair got caught on a big branch, and then Joab came along and stabbed him in the heart. And so now the news has been reported to David. And instead of congratulating the men who worked hard to defend him because he's been overthrown and Absalom inserted himself in as the new king and basically usurped his father's authority um, and completely sabotaged him and betrayed him, David has a rather strange reaction. And he's crying, Oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. He kept on crying like this. And so Joab is going to speak some reason and common sense into David and snap him out of it. And so David or Joab approaches him in 2 Samuel 19, starting in verse 5. And it says, Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, we saved your life today and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines. Yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had died and all of us had died, you would be pleased. So I want to just unpack that. If you've ever been around a person who's been abused, that is exactly the behavior that you see. Often when a woman is married to or has a boyfriend who is abusive, she will leave after a beating and then she'll return. And she'll leave again and then she'll return. And she'll leave again and then she'll go back. and. If she keeps going back, sometimes what happens is she ends up getting murdered. And people shake their heads and they wonder, what in the world is going on? Can't she see that this is a bad man? He doesn't love her. He's abusive. Why does she keep going back? And it's because she's been programmed from a young age that when people treat you abusively, that this is normal that that's what love is, is abuse. And so, you know, you could listen to her share and she would say, but I love him so much, I cannot leave him. He only, you know, does this once when, once in a while when he's really upset or when there's a lot of stress going on and then he just blows up and, you know. And so she will accommodate and she will make excuses and rationalize but she seems to love the person who hates her. And she doesn't seem to love the people who do love her. And that's a typical profile of an abused woman. So I would submit to you for your consideration. Now, this is just kind of a theory I have. I'm trying to read between the lines, but I'm going to connect some dots for you. I think that David was abused as a young child. Now, what makes me say that? Because he was the youngest of all his brothers. And remember, on the field out there with David and Goliath, uh, David was out tending sheep. And it was the older brothers that were out there trying to contend with Goliath. And, you know, 
maybe he had a different mother than all of the other. Maybe he was illegitimate. Perhaps that's why they picked on him and they didn't respect him or give him any regard. But, you know, and then the same thing is true when Samuel was ready to anoint the king and the new king to replace Saul. And he comes to Jesse and to his sons and he looks at all of them and he says, uh, no, none of these are the king. Do you have any other sons? Oh, yeah, there's David, but he's out tending the sheep. So again, we see in his childhood and his upbringing, he's disregarded. He's not honored or respected or included. And so that is a hint to me that perhaps he was treated badly, abused in some way, if not physically, emotionally um, excluded and, and treated as illegitimate. And then we have all the years that he was being persecuted by Saul. Now, he had to go run and hide in a cave and basically run for his life. But that's a very severe form of persecution and trauma and abuse when somebody's out to try to kill you. Now, David did not become violent and kill Saul. He waited upon the Lord and allowed the Lord to deal with it. But again, this is going into his psyche, into his personality, um, that, you know, all of his life he's being treated abusively. And so now Absalom, his son, this must feel very familiar to him. This is what he's accustomed to. This is what he's used to. He's not used to being loved unconditionally by the people around him. He's used to being persecuted and someone's trying to kill him, and he's always running for his life and having to defend himself. So now Absalom, his son, is treating him very badly. And I don't think that David was, he was a good king, but he probably was not a very good father. He did not discipline Absalom correctly. And because he didn't discipline him, um, things got out of hand. And so Absalom became enraged because his sister Tamar had been raped and David really didn't do anything about it. And so later, much later, Absalom takes matters into his own hands and he kills the guy who raped his sister. So mistake number one, David should have dealt with that rape. There should have been consequences. And because he didn't deal with it, Absalom did. And so because David did not set up consequences, Absalom had absolutely no respect for his father, David. Again, a woman who's been abused, often the husband has no respect for her and the children have no respect for her. Her own sons often will grow up, go from teenagers to, to men, and the sons will be abusive to her because that's all they've seen modeled in the home is the father being abusive to their mother. And so now these sons are disrespectful and dishonoring and even abusive, emotionally abusive, if nothing less, to their mother because that's all that they've seen. And so David had some baggage, and this baggage affected his relationships. And coming back to that statement, you seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. That's his baggage right there. Bingo. Bullseye. And so 
if any of this resonates with you personally, there's a way to get rid of that kind of baggage. We need to get rid of what's called a spirit of self-hatred. And when we have a spirit of self-hatred, this is what happens. We allow people to walk all over us and treat us badly and disrespect us and dishonor us. And we just keep going back for more. We just keep getting in the boxing ring and we take more hits and more punches. And uh, we need to repent and get rid of that spirit. So this is how you get rid of it. This is a prayer you can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, I repent, I renounce, and I reject the spirit of self-hatred. I am no longer in agreement with that spirit. Spirit of self-hatred, you leave now in the name of Yeshua. You must leave my soul, my mind, my my emotions. I kick you out in the name of Yeshua, and I close the door to that spirit now, and I seal it in the blood of Yeshua. And now, Holy Spirit, please come now and heal my heart and speak to me your truth. Then be quiet and wait upon the Lord and expect to hear from him and he will speak to you. He may give you a scripture. He may whisper something personal to you. He may give you a vision, but he will speak to you. When we get rid of that kind of a spirit, that baggage, then we will begin to attract people who are loving and kind and honorable and respectful, and we will no longer take abuse, dishonoring, and disrespecting behavior towards us. But we have to get rid of that evil spirit. So that's what was on my heart today to share with you. I hope this ministers to you and resonates with you and is a blessing to you. Shalom and Yeshua the Messiah, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yevrekka Adonai Vish Mrekka Yaya Adonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.